0: Hi, I'm a Wilkes, I'm a Nelson, I'm a Grob, and I'm a Spute, and we call ourselves The Wings. It's an acronym. We are just four ordinary moms with extraordinary bonds. The Lord
1: gathers us all under His wings as a hen gathers her chicks, and we hope to offer a place to gather for our friends, family, and all who wish to join us.
0: So welcome to our podcast conversation, Under His Wings. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Today, you are in for a treat. We have a special guest with us here. Her name is Krista Rotz. She's my dear friend. We get to serve together in the Young Women program in our church. And she is the type of person, um, you know, one of those that the more that you get to know her, the more impressed you become. And I love it. (laughs) We can't say that about everybody, but I do her. (laughs) You know, in our last podcast, we discussed the power that comes with making and keeping sacred covenants. And so we thought it might be nice to have a guest speaker today as a follow-up just to illustrate how someone has learned how to hold tight to to their covenants and and benefit from the power and blessings that come to them as you go through some difficult, difficult things in life. And as I pondered on who we could Um, possibly invite, Krista's name kept coming to my mind. And I didn't know a lot about her story, but I've learned to trust in the Spirit. So I sent her a text asking her if she'd be willing to join us. And so here we are. Thank you for joining us today, Krista. Thank you so much for coming. We're really looking forward to learning from her and the Spirit today as we discover why the Lord brought us all together. So... Um, As a little teaser today, I know that Krista is going to tell us a little bit about how some knights in shining armor fly planes instead of ride horses, (laughs) and how sometimes you have to wade through some mud and storm-tossed seas, um, maybe feeling a little unanchored at times before you find your happily ever after. So here we go.
2: Um, Well, since we're talking about covenants today, why don't we start with this question? When were your feet first placed on the covenant path?
3: Well, um, I was born to really wonderful parents who had a really loving, good relationship with each other and a happy marriage. When I was 10 years old, we moved from my childhood home in New Mexico to a really small town in eastern Utah, and there I was introduced to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I converted to the church, but my parents didn't join me. I was 12 years old at the time. So that's the very beginning of how my feet were blessed to be placed on the covenant path. I really feel like I was guided to this place. It has always felt like home to me. And I have always been extremely grateful, not only to those who so lovingly taught me the plan of salvation there in that little town, but to my parents who had who at a very young age, let me choose this path for myself.
0: That is a blessing. There's a lot of parents that that don't allow their kids to do that. So that says a lot that they trusted in you and and your willingness wanting to do that.
1: Okay. So you grew up as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I'm sure had lots of experiences along the way. And then I understand you were married in 1981, and so at that point, you thought you had found your happily ever after, right?
3: Yes, I had the true gospel of Jesus Christ in my life. And the rest, as we know, is all laid out and easy, right? <laughs> we you wish. find a good man, you get married in the temple, you have beautiful children, and you live happily ever after. That was yeah. that was what I was planning on. And, and so,
1: everybody else does what they're supposed to do. Exactly. Yes. exactly.
3: <laughs> so I did those things. Um, it was difficult on my wedding day, I have to say, standing, um, leaving my parents outside the temple, um, unable to be there with me when I uh, was married inside the temple. So I'm grateful to the living prophet we have and some of the changes that have happened for people.
2: Absolutely. Um, In my own family, my daughter is getting married next week, and her husband is a recent, or her fiance is a recent convert and his family isn't members at all either so this recent announcement where they can actually be married and then right away go in and get sealed that's what's going on so we'll have that civil ceremony right and then you know a couple hours later we get to go and have them um you know have them be sealed in the temple but
0: that way they get to be included and it's it's such a significant um, blessing a beautiful thing so the whole family on both sides can be involved and in our church, we, we believe that civil marriage, as the words always say, is, is you're married until death do you part. But um, we believe that in our sacred holy temples, we can then go in and be sealed by priesthood power for eternity. And so when we get married, we don't expect it to be just until the hard times or until we die. This is something we hope to enjoy forever forever.
3: Yes, and I'm so glad to hear your story. That is beautiful that um, that all the family members can be there to share the beauty of that day, and then the sealing, Holy Sealing can take place in the temple. But back in my day, I left my parents outside mm, the door. It had to be hard, <laughs> and hard on
0: them. I can't imagine as yeah. a mom missing yes. out on my daughter's wedding.
3: There was a nice thing that happened Is my brother was coming over to um, for some of the after-ceremony um get together, his family get together, and his car broke down, and the temple president lent my parents their car, and so they were able to go and rescue my brother, oh, and nice. I felt like that was a tender mercy to take their mind off the fact that they weren't with me. They were busy doing something else good mm-hmm. at the time, so. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, but I, it was hard. I remember seeing the little tag in my wedding dress my mom had made, said, Made with Love by Mom, oh. as I put it on. Oh, how That's sweet. Good. So. But what a glorious thing to be married in the temple of our Lord. It was such a beautiful day. So I'm, I'm just grateful for that opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think I heard you say that you started out your marriage in Massachusetts and Utah and then eventually moved to Texas. Tell us about that.
3: Yes, so we spent the first two to three years in Utah where I had my two sons And then we had the opportunity to move to the beautiful east coast, to Massachusetts, where my two daughters were born. And I loved my time in New England, again, just beautiful people there. Things were good, but we were an awfully long way from grandparents. Mm -hmm. And so when my husband completed school, we decided to try to find employment um, in a place closer to my family. So the resumes went out. And I remember clearly the day when I learned that my husband's new job would be in Texas. I struggled with that. It was considerably closer to our parents, but my sister had lived in West Texas for years, and for whatever reason, I just did not want to move there. Mm -hmm. Lubbock, Texas was not in my plans. (laughs) But after praying, I knew it was in the Lord's plans. I'm not a good pianist, but we had an old piano that my kids took lessons on, and I could plunk out a hymn when I needed to. And I remember sitting in my little apartment in Worcester, Massachusetts, and plunking out, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, (laughs) singing at the top of my lungs with tears just streaming down my cheeks. (laughs) So just, just let me say here that this choice by my Heavenly Father was amazing, the move to Lubbock, Texas, for several reasons. First off, there are no better people anywhere on the face of the earth than those good people I met while in Lubbock. And the sunsets there, they are the most amazing. Even
1: better than here, huh? Yes.
3: <laughs> There's nothing in the way. The yeah. land is very flat and yeah. you can just see sunset <laughs> for miles. It's very beautiful. Yeah. Um, And at a time in my life in the very near future, one of the very best things to ever happen to me would come out of my time that I spent there in Lubbock. So just know God has a sense of humor. And um, sometimes the detours on life's paths that we really don't want to take can end up blessing us in ways we would never imagine. Mm
0: -hmm. So what brought you to Boise then?
3: After several years in Lubbock... um, we moved to Boise. Once again, we wanted to be closer to family and closer to the mountains. We had loved as children growing up. And um, I remember praying about this move and receiving an affirmation that it was the right thing to do. And I jumped up from that prayer so excited. (laughs) I mean, I do my research. I knew (laughs) there was a temple. There was a Deseret book, (laughs) there was a cannery, and there was even a Deseret Industries. So I was all about it. I was elated to move to Boise. But immediately, when I jumped up from that prayer so happy, in the middle of my happy thoughts, the thought came. The Spirit spoke to me and said, it won't be easy. And I wasn't sure what that meant then. But I do remember it really clearly, and worrying about it a little bit. I thought maybe it would be my children. Sometimes it's harder to live in areas where there's um, more members of the church. I I don't know. I think everybody has their opinion on that. But I I just didn't really know why it would be hard, and and um. But I remembered that, and and then looking back, several years later, I I remembered that and. Clearly, my time in Boise was not easy the first few years here, not in the least. Shortly after moving here, I became aware of serious ongoing trouble in my marriage, both in the past that I hadn't been aware of, but also in the present. And over the next 10 years, I was engaged in an all-out fight to save my marriage and my family from the ravages of divorce, a battle that I ultimately lost. As a young girl... I remember deciding I would never, ever, ever get divorced. And um, as an adult, of course, we realize that we don't always get to make those decisions and that other people have their free agency and can make decisions that maybe you wouldn't choose. So there I was in Boise, Idaho, having a, a very difficult time.
1: You know, Krista, as you just said that, it just hit me what you said about moving to Boise, that there's a temple. The Lord brought you to somewhere where you could be close to the temple for a reason.
3: While
0: you go through those things.
3: Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. And the The um, forewarning he gave me, you know, he loves us so much. He gives us what we need. Thank you for that. I hadn't really thought about that. And, And
0: that he knew what was ahead for you and that he was aware of you. And just, yeah, that forewarning to let you know, Krista, I knew this was coming. Yes. We can get through this together.
3: Yes. I've had that a few times in my life, kind of as a forewarning where the Spirit has really helped me for something that was about to come to pass, so... Anyway, I, I made the decision to get divorced, and I can't tell you how difficult it was. Just I would meet an old friend, and she'd say, Oh, how are you doing? And what have you been up to? And I'd say, Well, I try to sound nonchalant. And I'd yeah. say, Well, I'm getting a d- 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 divorce. <laughs> and the word was just so ugly and unnatural in my mouth, I couldn't even say it. Everything was about it was hard, just going out and getting the mail was hard. All of it. It was difficult. It was a slow and painful death of two people's dreams. It was the ending of a relationship that had once been so full of love and hope and promise. No matter how level headed and civil the two people are, and no matter how common in the world divorces become, it's difficult. Um it's difficult in any culture. Mm-hmm. But in our church culture, yikes, yeah, it's very tough. difficult songs that you um, that I'd sung before about forever families and love at home that I'd sung with gusto and joy with my children became like knives that cut.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet.
3: And doctrines that had brought me great joy were painful. Things that had given me light and belonging now left me feeling like I was an outsider in the dark. It's hard to even explain how difficult this period in my life was and how much anguish I felt for my children, worry for my children, the uncertainty of not just my finances and home, but of my eternal future. It was all just full of angst and worry and darkness and uncertainty, and I just felt so unanchored from anything. I remember during that time seeing a dear sister from our ward that I had been assigned to visit teach. At that time, it's ministering now, but she had been through a divorce a year or two earlier, and I thought I'd been really understanding with her. I sat with her and tried to love her through that, and I knew it was particularly difficult for her. But when I went to uh, church and saw her at the same time I realized I was getting a divorce, I just went right up to her and just threw my arms around her, and I said, I am so sorry. I understand now. I am so sorry. It was just an extremely challenging time for me.
0: Yeah, I think that sometimes until we've been through through what somebody else is going through, we, we try to be compassionate. But when we've actually experienced that pain, we really understand on a deeper level, don't we? And I know you said you were worried about your kids. I know some have talked about how difficult it can be for children, even sitting in primary and seeing families can be together forever when they're in either a hard abusive family or a family that's falling apart and, and we need to be sensitive to those things, right. And you mentioned even yes. getting the mail. I know for me too right now having had father that passed away and all his mail is being forwarded to me, I, I can relate to that. I know how hard it is to go out and get that mail every day and see his name there and be reminded that he's gone. and so I can, I can understand. So yes. that's so hard. Yes oh, so true.
3: Uh, I was really blessed, though, that uh, about four months before I decided to divorce at our state conference, Elder Holland was there, and he spoke, and he talked about staying in the gospel boat, no matter how hard the tempest rages and the rain pours down. And I remember him, in the way only he can, said, I've, I've seen your back float, buddy, and it's not so good. You better stay in the boat. You know? <laughs> and, um, but his his message to stay in the boat, resonated with me Mm -hmm. at that time and it became my mantra at church uh, if someone was giving a beautiful lesson I remember in Relief Society a lesson about David O. McKay and how much he loved his wife and how good he was to her and I just felt like running out of the room I mean that was my total physical bodily instinct was to remove myself from the room but I would just say in my head over and over stay in the boat stay in the boat stay in the boat Mm -hmm. um I was grieving my marriage and the death of it. And those of you who have experienced grief know that any little thing can trigger your sorrow. You think you're doing well, and then just something will trigger this immense sorrow. And I would be sitting at church and thinking I was doing okay. And then a man a couple arose ahead of me in church would simply put his arm around his wife, and the dam would break, and the tears would fall. And again, I would start in my head, stay in the boat, stay in the boat, stay in the boat. Going to church mm-hmm. was really hard at that time. But I, I did it because I knew I needed to take the sacrament and have those beautiful promises given to me and to keep my covenants with God. It was the only way I could get through this.
0: Mm. Yeah,
3: I always loved going to the temple, but I loved it even more when my world fell, fell apart. It was a haven and a place of peace and comfort for me. I just learned to never go on a Friday evening when all the people were on the date night. (laughs) (laughs) That was smart. So you would never find me there on a Friday evening. (laughs) Um, I remember a day when I was out visiting teaching again at the time. Um, My companion was actually your sweet Mm mother-in-law, Sherry. Mm Who, who just taught me so much about the
0: gospel. I love her. It's interesting that we had those connections before we even met. and yes, really knew yes, each other. Cause, and, and then cool. you came and into then- our ward, and my mom was your companion. Yes. Yeah.
3: I went from, from your mother-in-law to your mom. Oh, and What wonderful cool. companions that they both amazing. were. <laughs> I loved them both so much. But I, I remember this particular lesson I was giving. It was talking about rejoicing in temple worship. And there was a quote from George Q. Cannon, and as I read it, it struck me like lightning, and I'll, I'll never forget it. The quote said, Every temple lessens the power of Satan on the earth, and increases the power of God and godliness, moves the heavens in mighty power in our behalf, invokes and calls down upon us the blessings of the eternal gods. Well, I had been in a fight with Satan for my family, and it seemed like he was winning, and I was ticked off. I was kind of <laughs> mad about that. So when I read that that lessened the power of Satan on the earth, the temple, I determined if I could lessen his power by spending more time in the Holy Temple, I would. And so I I remember that um, visiting teaching message having a huge impact on me at that time. Mm, yeah, I like that. So how do you
1: feel that your covenants brought you peace and power through
3: this horrible, difficult time? Well, as I dedicated myself to temple worship, and I did, I looked forward to my time in the temple. There were truths that I felt my Heavenly Father teaching me. He was my one source of peace and strength. In a world where my trust of others had been broken, I was blessed to know I could always trust Him, that he was there and that he would walk me through this. I think I felt what Elder Christofferson said in a his last conference address in April of 2021. He said, the covenants God offers to his children do more than guide us. They bind us to him and bound to him. We can overcome all things. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't feel alone. I felt bound to my father in heaven. I love that. It was during this time that I often felt close to my relatives on the other side of the veil as well, and I felt that they were somehow supporting me in my trials as I did their work in the temple. It was a sweet exchange. Mm -hmm. I was blessed to learn some important truths about temple covenants. So I remember asking my bishop about my temple sealing. I learned it was still valid, even though my spouse was no longer a member of the church. This was puzzling to me. And I thought about it a lot. I mean, we learn in young women's, the temple ceilings all about finding a wonderful man and being sealed together, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we all learn that. <laughs> now he was out of the picture, but the ceiling remained. And I I wasn't sure how that worked. And in fact, my ceiling to him was not canc- canceled until much later when my appointment to be sealed to my current husband was made.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Nice. I waited that long. So this gave me pause to think long and hard. And the truth I came to believe about temple blessings is that they are the conduits through which the Lord is able to bless his covenant people. So when we're sealed, it's like a conduit through which the Lord can bless us. And the ability to have these blessings poured down upon me could very much be affected by my own worthiness, but not by other people's no blessing would be withheld from me by the actions of another and it was sweet when i learned that
2: you know i have to interject for a second because as a child of um a, you know a broken marriage um that was one thing even we went through as children wait 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 where does this apply to us now how how are all the temple blessings still are we in a eternal family i mean no it was a a very interesting time as we tried to come to understand that and that was very helpful for me to, to understand my mom was righteous. My mom had held to those covenants. We are still bound to her because of those covenants. All the blessings um, are still given to us, and um, through her posterity. And that was that we needed to know that mm-hmm. as her children. Yes. You know that was crucial.
3: And I remember my children having some the questions things, about yeah. that. And yeah. I was so grateful the Lord had given me that that knowledge and ability right. to to explain that those blessings are still there. Yeah, we're
2: not. We're not going to be shorted out by any right. means. Well, know? and
1: as you were saying that, Connie, I thought, okay, well, what about the children who are sealed, whose both parents leave? You know, but when you said that those blessings are like a conduit, you are still bound to Heavenly Father. Mm, that's true. And, and those, really those blessings right there. still come down to you and you are bound to Him yeah. and sealed to yeah. Him. But that was, yes. I mean... That's enlightening
2: and so comforting.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and I liked what you said, Krista. I don't remember exactly how you put it, but because of someone else's choices, that wasn't going to affect the way the Lord blessed you or the power that you had access to. Mm -hmm.
3: Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, going right along with that, when I eventually received the letter from the First Presidency, um, you know, there's a process you go through to be married in the temple when you have already been married in the temple and divorced. And then um, for the woman, the, the sealing is canceled. And when I received the letter from the First Presidency, and it's, it's a cool letter. I mean, it's signed by Gordon B. Hinckley and Thomas Monson and James E. Faust. Mm-hmm. Their mm-hmm. signature's right there. In this letter, it has a beautiful paragraph that brought me peace concerning my children and my situation. It said, in part, Children born in the covenant or sealed to parents are assured the right and privilege of eternal parentage based upon their individual faithfulness and agency. For each of us, the realization of eternal blessings is conditioned on personal worthiness and individual agency.
2: Yeah, I personally know of a a young gal who was married civilly, and after about four or five rocky years of marriage, they became pregnant with their first child and things started to get better and they became um, more active into the church and decided to be sealed in the temple. And after that sealing and the child was born, um, the marriage did end up dissolving and they divorced. And she has met somebody else and wanted to be sealed to this uh, man. And so she went through the process of getting her first marriage um, ceiling canceled. And she went through kind of this up and down of why, what was the point of that first ceiling? I mean, why did I need to have that happen? What, what was that about? And she had this epiphany come to her. She was pregnant with a child that needed those temple blessings, knowing now She's going to marry another man. Her ex-husband would have never allowed her to have her son sealed to her new husband and herself, where those temple blessings could have come. They had to come when they came, so that this young child could be sealed to her and have all of those temple blessings given at that time.
3: God knows the all and the paths, the mm-hmm. how yes. how, our, how we're going to wind our way through life, and He He is so good. Um. So after a year of learning and darkness and trial, and I only spent one year divorced, about a year and a half. Many people spend many years alone, and I admire those sweet people. Um, After a year on my own, um, my night in a shining Southwest Airlines 737 (laughs) flew into Boise for work. And since he was an old friend of our family from our ward in... You guessed it, Lubbock, Texas. Texas. (laughs) He asked if I'd like to go out to dinner with him. He knew I was available because of something I want to put out three cheers for, the family Christmas letter. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I want to give a little credit to that because in in these days, we just don't see those as much anymore. But thank goodness for that family Christmas letter that... um, let him know I was available. (laughs) Um, Dating after being married for nearly 25 years was terrifying, Mm -hmm. but we had a wonderful evening, and I remember feeling so strongly after that um, dinner that there was light after darkness. I didn't know if, if this person would end up being anything important in my life other than letting me know that night that there was light after darkness Mm -hmm. it was beautiful and then I remember also on our first date uh him we were talking and he said do you think we'll always feel broken Mm -hmm. and I didn't have an answer for that because I certainly still felt broken and I know he did as well um having uh, been through a very similar situation as mine but um the next week was general conference and elder holland once again wonderful elder holland stood up and delivered a talk entitled broken things to mend yes. yeah. love that. and i'll never forget the comfort and peace that came to both of us and we were kind of bound together through that talk and talking about it and um healing. So 15 years later, here I am. I thank Heavenly Father for Lubbock. I thank him <laughs> for knowing me. I thank him for a temple in Boise, Idaho. I am grateful for a good husband. I love my four children dearly, and I'm so proud of um, how they have navigated this. I know it was difficult for them, and they are such a wonderful human beings with big hearts and good people. And I love my four bonus children. They call me their bonus mom, and I cannot imagine my life without them in it and the 14 grandchildren that have um, also come that bring untold joy. And uh, I, I remember when I was going through that dark time, there was a song I would listen to often, usually on the way to the temple, And it said, I need a view from the mountain. I need a drink from the fountain. Life is better now, less tumultuous, but there's still cloudy days, and there's still some days when I'm really thirsty. (laughs) And on those days, I know just where to go. And I also know there's always light after darkness.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you for coming and sharing your testimony and your experiences with us. And we hope that... um, you listeners will be able to to apply this in your own lives that whatever struggle, whatever mountain you're facing, that you will turn to the Lord and hold true to those those covenants that you've made, hold fast to them, knowing that not only are you bound to your Father in heaven, but he is bound to you and he will see you through whatever it is that is challenging in your life, and that as you continue to go to the temple and to drink from the fountain of living water, that peace and strength will one day be yours again. He will see you through your darkness, and we leave that with you and hope that you will stay safely under his wings.